Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. The Around the NFL Podcast. Need some toilet paper. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm coming to you from a country filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, what is up, boys? Yo, what's up? Uh, what's up uh, with you? You're 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 in a different place. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a Jeff Goldblum impression, by, uh, <laughs> Greg. There, well, you know, um, a little bit. This is history. This is the first time, and Eric, if you want to jump in for a second here, this is the first time in the history of this program that we are doing a show where we are the group of four are in three different time zones. Okay, we got Ricky Hollywood over there in New Hampshire. Um. In some area of her estate right now, we have the old Zeuser who traveled with the family to um, Emily's parents' uh, home in central Texas. So I'm in the central time zone. And then there's Mark and Greg holding things down in the city of angels. That's This might be podcast history. Forgot about our show. Has this ever happened before? I'm going to say no. I don't think so. I mean, certainly I, I would imagine that Los Angeles would also – categorize Greg and I as holding down the metropolis. Um, I wouldn't point to anyone else other than the two of us doing that work here. It is quiet. I, I, you know, driving around this weekend a little bit. I mean, um, I feel like it's now at a new level of like lack of people here because people have left for the summer and the coronavirus combined that you can, you can get the West, you know, you can get the Westwood in about five minutes from my house. It's just smooth sailing. Wow. Pinch. What are you doing in Westwood, Greg? That's that would be my question. <laughs> yeah, little things, little errands. No one's allowed to know what Greg does in Westwood. In and out, in and out, you know. <laughs> great family burger. Um so yeah, this is what this is where we're at and uh we'll continue to provide to you high quality football analysis with a touch of mirth. There is no NFL network program this upcoming Friday. Um, so don't don't look for that on your DVR. We're not canceled. We will be back, uh, but we are taking the week off. There will be no uh, NFL programming on Friday, which is connected um, to so. some some actual NFL news that that Goodell, uh, you know, gave Juneteenth off in the what what is now turning into more of a national celebration. It used to be more where you were in in Texas of uh, you know the word that slavery was abolished you know years after the emancipation proclamation so the nfl has it totally off and the shows are totally off which is pretty rare for the nfl and they're running some some special programming friday 
Juneteenth, also known as Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, and Cell Liberation Day is an American holiday celebrated annually on June 19th. It commemorates June 19th, 1865, when Union General Gordon Granger read federal orders in Galveston, Texas, that all previously enslaved people in Texas were free. So, Greg, with a very accurate setup there, and then I gave you a little bit of a wiki background on top of it. Mark, I know you were just educated. No, I knew all about it because, you know, that's, that's what I do. I, I heard last week that they um, were going to uh, move our show and others off the slate. I think it's a good thing they've done. And I, it's kind of funny. You would never <laughs> imagine the NFL to have done this a couple of years ago. They, a lot of things have, have changed for the better. Is the classic Juneteenth episode of Atlanta. You know, that's, that's a winner. That's one of my favorites. Yes. Yes. I don't know if I saw that one. Good show, though. I like Atlanta. <laughs> FX. Wow. What programming they're coming out with. Uh, on a fairly regular basis. Dan, you're looking very, um, I just want to say like the hair is looking, it's kind of like I've been following, um, you know, Alec Baldwin's uh, journey through the whole Corona time. And he goes through periods where he looks a little unwashed and a little uh, weathered, but he then suddenly looks very shiny and uh, put together. And you have kind of that feel to you right now. Your shirt looks uh, washed and folded and right. it's now uh, clinging to your body. I worked with Sidney Poitier, one of the great actors. It I wonder where he better. is right now. You should stay that close. I think it's like it's less <laughs> hollow when you're that close. I like that. You're less hollow when you're this close. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. Good show coming up today. We are going to break down a little MVP talk, but not not in the more basic way where you're just saying who's going to win MVP, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. We're going to kind of take a look at a team by team and throw out some team MVP favorites and maybe some surprise names, t- names that don't jump out at you. And uh, whether they actually contend for league MVP honors is another um, debate, but we're talking about team by team. So we're going to throw some out there and have a nice little conversation there. I have a piece on NFL.com a two-parter actually coming out this week on this on that very subject. So we'll talk it out. And if you guys have some really good ones, I'm going to probably steal it. Just to let you know. Oh, you haven't written the piece yet, or you will. I'm halfway through. I'm halfway through. Oh, so, so this is a crowdsourcing yeah. exercise. Um, okay. It's gonna, it might very well turn into that, but it's really up to you. I mean, w- put it this way, Mark. If you come up with a killer, like a killer uh, MVP favorite that I was mm. like, whoa, and I've already written the copy. I probably won't go back and change it because you know what? I'm just not going to do that amount of work. But if I haven't written the team yet, I will. And I might even put as Mark Sessler pointed out on a recent around the NFL podcast, if I'm feeling especially magnanimous or I might just jack it. Well, I would just point out that Greg, Greg did mention my name in his, um, and you forget the title of this series, but the projected starter (laughs) series, I got a name drop in that. So if you want any credibility with me, uh, you better do the same. That's I mean, how, how many operate. times are you going to mention that you read that series from Greg? <laughs> the brown nosing. He's not your boss anymore. I, it's not. It's just fact. We're just, just, we're just supportive. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like I read the top 10 uh, favorite players in Mark Sessler's history. Right. Should, he had Randall Cunningham on there, which to me uh, as a kid was was my favorite. So a lot of, you know, just shared DNA right now between yeah, I know. me and Mark. Yeah, that changed Greg's life, and it changed the lives of about 48 other people that clicked into the article. So, um, you know, there's <laughs> no end to the scope. A lot of shared DNA between the two of you in L.A. right now. Um, all right. Let's start, though, by doing some news. It's a weird show. The Supreme Court has ruled that LGBT Americans are protected by the anti-discrimination laws of this country at their workplaces. They cannot be fired or otherwise discriminated against at work simply because they are lesbian, gay, bisexual or transgender. How about that? Ricky Hollywood picking the news drop today and can get behind that. The civil rights law uh, 
protecting LGBT workers. It was a ruling by the Supreme Court. Erica, you're feeling good, right? Yeah, it's exciting. All 50 states, um, no discrimination in the workplace for LGBT rights. So that's really exciting. I saw a cool map on Twitter that was going around and it was like all of the states in gray that you can no longer be discriminated against. And the whole United States was gray. So mm. it's pretty cool. It's it's a, it's good news for a Monday morning. Thanks Enjoy. for doing the bare minimum, Supreme Court. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Finally, your government working for you. (laughs) Um, All right, let's uh, let's get to the news. So that's very good news. Here's not so good news. A small number of Dallas Cowboys players have tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, This uh, report from Rap Sheet earlier today and some Houston Texans players have also tested positive. Among the players uh, is Pro Bowl running back Ezekiel Elliott, who tested positive but is feeling good, according to a report. Um, Elliott on Twitter later questioned why his medical information was being made public uh, with a simple tweet that read H-I-P-A-A, double question mark. That was referring to the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Uh, Mark, your thoughts when you saw this? Well, I'm not going to deep dive into the HIPAA angle of this. I learned later that, you know, not everyone is protected the way that Ezekiel Elliott mentioned by HIPAA. It it refers more to medical practitioners, and I will leave it there for someone to correct me. Um, But I will say this, that it's it's a lesson that coronavirus um, is not just going to play by the rules of, you know, oh, you're you're a third stringer that might see limited snaps. So I'll I'll come and get you. Um, I'm not going to come get any star players. I mean, coronavirus is circulating um, at a rapid pace in multiple states right now. It's not just simply gone away because we long for certain creature comforts and we long to uh, sit by our friends uh, poolside with drinks in our hands. It's just not. Um, I think it's it's a thorny issue. And you're already seeing um, in the NBA circles players for multiple reasons, questioning whether they should be shoved into an Orlando bubble to play um, for a couple of things. Number one, the coronavirus health um, issues. Number two, what's happening in our country right now with a lot of other stuff and with the focus on equality and uh, Black Lives Matter. Do we want to make do we want to create diversions in terms of sports? The NBA players are talking about that when it comes to the NFL. Um, you know, we're seeing college players, uh, you know, succumbing to the coronavirus still, too. I think it just creates immense logistical issues. Uh, John Harbaugh mentioned how impossible it, it will be to manage a team with the guidelines they put out. And we can talk all day long about how will player X look as a fantasy player, all this. But none of us have coaching ties and none of us really have a real concept of what it's like to have to train 70 to 90 players to prepare for a season, whittle them down and get them community-wise into one solid spot to start week one. It, it, the challenges that, that what they put into this, the challenges that are uh, you know, now embedded into the league with, the, with spacing and social distancing um, are fine as long as coronavirus does not attack rosters. And we're already seeing that that's just not how, not how it works. Right. And you know, I think there's this date in everyone's mind, you know, September 10th, can, you know, the race to get there. But in my mind, it's kind of, it's more like July 30th. Uh, that's or, or July 22nd, 23rd is when those Hall of Fame game teams are supposed to show up. 28th to the 30th is when the rest of the team starts showing up. It's like that's soon. And that's a ton of people. And the Cowboys getting, you know, a handful of Cowboys and a handful of Texan, Texans getting it. Who knows how, how many other players have gotten it that, that we don't know about. And it's hard not to think about, okay, all these players are practicing already together. Texas, you know, is was one of the first states to kind of open back up. And this is just going to be part of what teams and the league has to deal with. And the league admitted as much, even when they were laying out these guidelines. I mean, I, the NBA said this as much too. Like, players will test positive. It's just what is the reaction going to be in terms of how you can keep them away from the rest of the team and just the million logistical you know, problems, which Har- which Harbaugh hit on that are like coming soon. It, it's to me, it's like a race. It ha- it's unlike any offseason in so many ways, but it has to feel like a race for the NFL to try to 
somehow have a plan ready for July 30th and then be able to adapt after that. And it, it really, it does make me think like, why play a preseason for, for one? Like if you can buy any right. more time, that that seems like something you should do. I, just a question, you guys, because it, it wasn't so many months ago that a just a small handful of confirmed positive cases in the NBA shut down basketball. I mean, it shut it down for the long haul. Is it just because now we're exhausted um, we have a couple of confirmed cases in the NFL, and it's just full steam ahead. It just seems like um, the polar shift is in our thinking and in the league's thinking versus how we're treating it as a country. Is it we just are we tired of this? Of course, we're tired of it, but you have to be smart about it. And Harbaugh used the term; he said, "humanly impossible" to follow the protocol that the NFL is laying out. And I don't know; it's it's interesting to me being in Texas right now that. These Texans players and Cowboys players testing positive. I'm not necessarily connecting dots, but it just made me think about when I went into a Walmart yesterday here and nine out of 10 people weren't wearing masks. And, you know, if that's where we're heading right now, where people are going to get more and more lax with how they're trying to protect themselves and and people are getting more and more cavalier about going out and hanging out with friends, it just seems like we might be heading toward a potential yeah. disaster, both in terms of human life loss, potentially, uh, and but also there. Just from a there. sports standpoint. Right. From a sports standpoint, that's going to be something that could end up knocking all of us out of play and not being able to watch games and games cannot be played. So we'll see how it plays out. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like two different things. Like at this point, I think the country on some level has just decided to accept you know, 800, 900 deaths a day, we'll take it. We're going to, you know, at this point, we're pro- the U.S. is projected to get over 200,000 deaths. Like that's that's coming. We're in the one, you know, 100 teens right now. It, it's sad. And it's like, it's trying to manage, you know, businesses and your work around it. But the NFL and, and pro sports is obviously, you know, not the same as setting up a couple outside tables at a restaurant. You know, it's just there's so much. I just think there's so many consequences that like teams and players and everyone, they'll probably get criticized in the end. But it's like, who is prepared to really deal with this? You know what I mean? Like, I, it, it's almost been pot. It's in things are going to happen that we haven't even thought about and that they haven't thought about. And I don't know. There's no one that really knows where this is going. <laughs> in other news, Pete Carroll was in the news late last week. Uh, it was about Colin Kaepernick. And he said in an interview that he regrets the Seahawks not signing Kaepernick in 2017. He denied that a second meeting with the quarterback didn't happen in 2018 because of the team's uncertainty about whether he had planned to continue kneeling during the national anthem. And then he uh, added some intrigue to the Kaepernick story by uh, saying that there is someone out there that reached out to him asking about the quarterback. Let's listen to Carol. I, I like our setup right now. You know, I, I love the way Gino fits together in, in our role and all that. So that it's not really available at, at this time for us, but um, I wouldn't has, and I've said this ongoing for years. If Russ ever got tangled up and couldn't play or something, Cap would have been an extraordinary candidate to take over because of his, the dynamics of his play. You know, we've always really cherished the unique qualities that players bring in. And he had a unique style that we, couldn't have respected more, but um, I never talked to another head coach about it. I never talked to anybody about it until today. I got a phone call today. I'm not tell you who it was, but I got a phone call today in, in, in asking, inquiring about the situation. So I know, you know, somebody's interested. Greg, what'd you take out of that? The big thing is that someone called Carol. I mean, to me, I'm less interested in kind of, you know, dissecting, all the ways Carol's words are not quite, you know, logical. If you hold them up to, you know, you know, the light of day thinking about 2017 when he signed Austin Davis and we, well, why'd you bring him in if you weren't going to sign him, you know, as a backup, I, I sort of, that part doesn't matter. The fact that a team is actually calling Carol for info is interesting to me. Cause I thought, you know, by the workout last year, this was not going to happen. Um, and so it gives me some hope. And I, I do think, I do think it's going to just come down to the owner. Um, I think it's just going to come down to the owner making a decision and maybe the coach, maybe just making a unilateral decision, even if the coach isn't 100% on board and just saying, I'm going to do this because I think it's good for the league, which owners used to do all the time. Like 
you know, small market, you know, big market teams in New York decided to share all their revenues with with green the Green Bay Packers for what was good in the league. And I think to reach out to the young fans, the black fans, like having them on a roster is going to say as much, um, you know, in terms of being a symbol uh, than any statement or or any money even that the, that the league is donating. Well, I'm with you. I think that also you look at the words of a lot of players that the right. signing of Colin Kaepernick is not a um, a maybe or a preference. It is what they're, many are pointing to as a distinct um, symbol of change in the NFL versus uh, lip service. And I, I do think the NFL's, um, you know, higher ups are looking at all of this very differently. I, we've been on some of these calls uh, with, with our fellow employees who have spoken from the heart. And I, I do think it's changed um, the POV and the way that the people, you know, the lens that we see the league through. But to simply ignore the Kaepernick issue and you've got a bunch of there are there are a handful of teams where I you know you can I agree there is not a starting job out there, but there are a number of backups that you're talking about a player that went from Super Bowl starter to out of the league in a few years. Find me another case study like that. It's never happened. I mean, the, it, what right. came to mind was the Steelers. Um, that was one team that came to mind because they they can use a backup and you know they, they it's called the Rooney Rule for a reason. They're also a team I think that an ownership group that has looked to the greater good of, of the league. It's not like, and I don't, I want to make it clear, like Kaepernick's earned an a, a opportunity. It's not like you're doing him a favor, but on some level, like it, it is the best way to say that you're sorry. It is, it's not, it's not an apology contract and it might be complicated, but like that, that's probably like the clearest way that, that you can do it. I mean, they, they, they already settled the case and that is, this like side issue that no one wants to talk about that they had already paid Kaepernick money. There was a grievance that the NFL admitted. And, and so there, there's a lot into it. I know it's not as simple, um, but it could be as simple as someone like a Rooney just saying, all right, let's just do this. Yeah. And it feels like there is, although it's still a polarizing issue, of course, the, the kneeling issue, I'm looking at a poll that was just released that 52% of Americans, the majority of the country now agree that it is okay for players to kneel during the national anthem to protest killings of African-Americans. You know, I, I think that there's still, there's always going to be a lot of uh, push and pull on that issue, but it feels like it's more, it's so the the water's warmer now than it was when Kaepernick initially kneeled. And I think there might be an owner that sees that as well and says, well, you know what, maybe I can do this and not have to worry about getting hit, whether it's in revenue dollars and ad dollars. And then the other part of it is, and I talked about this on our Friday show, Pete Carroll keeps popping up in these conversations and he keeps on talking about Kaepernick and, and I, he obviously has um, a connection with him both um, during his time at the Seahawks. And then when Kaepernick was a star for a, a rival team in the division, but I, I just, for some reason, there's something about Carroll doing all this talking, but not actually doing any action and then saying, oh, well, we have Geno Smith, so we're not in this conversation. (laughs) Well, how about you bring Colin Kaepernick into the building also and have him compete with Geno Smith? And if he's as good as you say he is, then maybe he'll just maybe beat out Geno Smith. Because the other thing, we're seeing all this content, the content mill during the quiet offseason. All right, everybody, write your top landing spots or conceivable landing spots for Colin Kaepernick. I mean, as a backup quarterback, he fits in with the majority of the league. So like that's, that's fish in a barrel. There's so many places where he would make sense. And Seattle is one of them, whether Pete Carroll wants to say it or not. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. Antonio Brown. Uh, he has taken care of his latest legal issues. He pled no contest to felony battery charges uh, charges and been sentenced to 100 hours of community service. Uh, this was connected to that incident. I believe that was connected to a moving company in, in front of his house. Yeah, a like moving ugly. truck, a moving truck, and yeah. the moving truck driver and other characters. There you go. So he's been, that's been cleared from his, his legal deck has been cleared and now we find out what happens with the NFL. A very different case than Colin Kaepernick, obviously. Another guy who could absolutely uh, be a playmaker in the NFL if he could play. But this is the situation of Antonio Brown has made himself toxic. You wonder if someone's going to take a chance on him. It's been pretty quiet on that front. 
I mean, I the think, one, go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. I mean, well, well, I, I just think, think they're waiting sorry. to hear from the NFL what, <gasps> if he's going to be suspended. That's it. Right. Like how, that's going to be what gets him a job if he gets suspended. <laughs> well, but there's there's got to be a little bit more than just suspended because, I mean, he, you know, went into multiple locker rooms last year and caused uh, endless drama. He's also a top two or three wide receiver if he's on his game. So, I, the, the, he put a picture of himself out there on Instagram in a Ravens uniform. He has spent this offseason at times practicing with Lamar Jackson, who has backed the idea of Antonio Brown joining Baltimore. Does so, he think maybe he is on the Ravens? Have we considered that? Well, that's a very fair question. We don't. We have not dived into the um, the mental processing at this point. But I I think it's it's that's the that's the dot I would connect. Uh, most strongly at this point, based on, you know, if a free agent is putting a picture of him out there in a, in the uniform of a certain team, I will look at that. No, now, you don't like that either, Mark. Like if you're a, if you're a fan of an AFC North team, that's not the Ravens, perhaps Antonio Brown, if he ever got another job would destroy a locker room just because he can't keep it together. But also the thought of adding Antonio Brown uh, to that group in Baltimore that may, maybe is missing that one final piece uh, as like a weapon. Greg, you did a great job on your projected starter series. Uh, <laughs> they didn't bring in a lot of new talent at the wide receiver position. They're just kind of hoping those guys develop. But if you brought in an Antonio Brown, my God. Well, he he's but he's due, to me, a, a lengthy suspension. And there is still uh, a civil case. Um, from his former trainer who accused him of sexual assault and rape that is still pending. So I, I guess I, I'm, I'm skeptical. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we never see Antonio Brown in, in, in the league. And I, and I, I'm still skeptical that, it, you know, that it'd be coming this year. Right. Cause we've heard about it from Brown. And even if Lamar Jackson puts in a good word, we've not heard from the Ravens and it is, you know, there's owner buy-in to a lot of the stuff we're talking about today, but owner buy-in to Antonio Brown will probably be necessary. I mean, he, he's supposedly we'll, – we'll see if he's on the Patriots' salary cap right now. They're, they have a grievance against him too, or they're supposedly potentially getting money back uh, from Antonio. But otherwise, right now, he's $4 million on the cap, I think. What a mess. Uh, in other news, let's head to Chicago where the Bears – have two quarterbacks competing for the starting job, Nick Foles, who they acquired in a trade uh, in the offseason, and Mitchell Trubisky, the former first-round pick, the man taken, yes, before Deshaun Watson, before Patrick Mahomes, and yet he is on the ropes uh, with the Bears after a really uh, rough 2019 campaign. He spoke to Chicago reporters on a Zoom call on Friday, and he says, this is still my team, and yeah, I am a little annoyed that I have this competition in the building and I want to do something about it. Here's what he had to say. Uh, I think I was kind of pissed off in a good way. I've been motivated ever since. I, I've been motivated um, since our season ended last year. I didn't feel like it went the way we wanted to and uh, we left a lot out there, but um, I'm excited for this year. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be a good competition and uh, Foles has had uh, has a crazy career as well. So it's been cool having him in our room talking ball. Um, I know we're going to push each other, but I still feel like this is my team um, and I'm excited for the competition and just get back on the field with my guys and, and show everybody what I can still do. And Oh, I can see it, Mark. You got goosebumps just hearing that. <laughs> well, I don't think it feels like his team at all. I, I will give him credit for one thing when they asked him also. Pitch yourself, but, Mark. Well, I don't, this is not the stuff that's getting me, you know, that's, you know, getting me to jump out of bed in the morning. I'll, I'll give you that much. But like when they, when they say, when they asked him about the fifth year option that he, you know, they declined, which is notable. Um, and speaks more than anything else they've done. Uh, he basically said he agreed he didn't earn it. And I, at least, you know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, nonsense around that. He's being real and like he didn't earn it. I mean, he is, the, he, they traded up for, the, for him in the second overall pick in the draft. And uh, to me, he has not lived up to that uh, uh, from any shading, any angle you look at. And I think he is the not the starter. He is clearly the second mm-hmm. in charge at, without any question. Why bring in Nick Foles? It's a distraction. Why bring him in if he's not the starter, Nick Foles? Right. I'd love to do a historical analysis of quarterbacks who said, this is my team. If it's your team, you don't have to say it. You know, right. Drew Brees isn't like, this is my team. You know, it, Tom Brady wasn't saying, this is my team. Like, when once you get to the point where you have to say it, it it's too late. You're done. 
Yeah, I don't know what he could have said that wouldn't lead to him getting a little bit of, uh, you know, j- jabs from jabronis like us. But I guess you're just in a situation where there's nothing to really say, and you, you, you go like the Eli Manning route, where you're just like, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be a, a competition, and I, I look forward to it, and may the best man win. Anything else, you're just going to come off as kind of. Uh, a joke it seems and that's where Trubisky is at this stage of his career is there any chance I know your answer to this uh, Mark but Greg is there any chance that Trubisky can play and he just had a bad year have we seen enough now where he's just he can't he's just no good he's a backup at the NFL level I think defined I guess a defined you know can play if if everything is great around him and Nagy cooks up some plays and they he's around the dot line, then yeah, then he could have a season where people sort of fall for uh, for him like they did a couple of years ago. Sure, I mean we've seen it. I don't think, but if that's your ceiling, I'm not getting too excited. I also think that you know there are a lot of people around there thinking we can stick with Mitch Trubisky, but it might cost all of us our jobs. And they quickly looked around for something that they felt more sure of. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about it on the show that barring some type of uh, seismic change in his career, that's going to go down as one of the most infamous moments in the history of the Chicago Bears, trading up to get Trubisky at two with Patrick Mahomes. A lot of Forget picks about too. Deshaun Watson, Patrick a lot of Mahomes picks. on the board. There was a lot of picks to move up that one spot. It was like three twos or something like that to just, to just uh, you know, pass the 49ers who had no interest in him anyways. And Ryan Pace was the guy. He made the pick, right? That's right. Kind of a little bit surprising he survived all this. But so far, I guess that that's why, to what you guys are saying, that's why Nick Foles is there, because he, he needed to pivot out of this at a certain point and just hope for Foles to kind of save his job. That's where they're at in Chicago right now. By the way, I mentioned Lamar Jackson. Did you guys see the jet ski uh, <laughs> I incident yes. the, uh, during beach yes. football? Yes. Yes. Not on. I mean, the TMZ headline was a little uh, overstated. It was like Lamar Jackson, like barely avoid death, you know, with jet ski. And it was like, all right, calm down. He like jumped over a, I mean, a, that, a non-moving uh, jet ski, basically. Right. He He's safe on that front. But it's it, again, it was another it was a collection of, you know, 15 people not wearing masks. And I, I'm not trying to beat down the door of everyone must do this all the time, but, um, you know, don't care at all. And we'll see how that works. I don't know where they were or what they were. I'd be more worried if I was a Raven, just seeing him running around on the beach. I don't like that. You know, Robert Edwards, the, uh, the Patriots rookie of the year that essentially, uh, ended his career with the beach accident. I, a lot of people running on the beach, you get a lot, you know, it's, it's not good for, you know, it's not good for you. I don't like it. Did you Mark, did you not watch the whole video? I did watch the video. Immediately preceding the game, they all tested um, negative for COVID. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't see so the all, prequel to the video. I mean, I didn't see that. And then part. they all I mean, did. The, the, they did the temperature scan before they stepped onto the beach. Oh no! I well, so, I I'm, I then my bad. I simply watched the action part of the film where he <laughs> narrowly missed like a a the motor of a jet ski. Speaking of jet skis, my wife, as a Father's Day gift, we're going to be at my um, uh, in. I don't like in-laws. I don't like that term because I um, my. They seem too cool for that. By the way, Bob yeah, my wife's fun. parents, Bob and Ann, are great people. And when They're I just your throw the, oh, your... my in-laws, yeah. like that, I'm not going to use right. that. I, that feels cold to me. Just say family. So my, you know, they're your family. All right. Okay, I'll go yeah. with that. My, my ex fam, like you know, extended family, ex fam. Which also sounds negative, I guess. Another, that means that, that doesn't feel I'm right. divorced. Yeah. That okay. Work. Well, anyway, I got it for a Father's Day gift, got a wave runner to use. And uh, so I just want, and that's the same as a jet ski, essentially. So just want to let you guys know that, uh, you know, you might not see me again. <laughs> well, provide video. Yeah. Is that one of those gifts that you're like, oh, this will be fun, honey? Or <laughs> how was the, <laughs> what was your reaction? I've, I've gone wave running before, okay. uh, used a wave runner before, and it's, uh, it's quite a lot of fun, but it, it could be dangerous in the wrong hands. I mean, Lamar Jackson almost killed himself and the thing was stationary. <laughs> but these things, they got a, quite an engine in them and they go pretty fast across the water. Ricky, I know there's got to be a whole fleet of wave runners and jet skis at the Godfather ca- compound where you're at. 
No, 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 they're they're not. But I do remember almost being late to Wes and Lakeisha's wedding because I was out on the ocean on a jet ski and I was supposed to film the wedding. And I was like, oh, my God, we got to rush back. Oh, my God, it's stressful. <laughs> Racing back at 90 miles an hour. Yeah, literally. Uh, well, you made it. All right. I did. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. That's all that's happened. Bill O'Brien and Baker Mayfield are among those who say they will kneel during the national anthem come September if there is indeed football. Hmm. I mean, that, a lot of that. That's that speaks to what you were talking about before with the, yeah, like okay, owners maybe they feel differently about it or they're worried the fans do. It's like your co- the coach of the Texans, whose you know ownership is you know known as very conservative, is saying he's going to. And, yeah, and, and Baker, a lot of other people are. Yeah, I, mean, I think Baker Mayfield in Ohio took quite a bit of heat for um, taking that stance. And you know mm. what? Go for it. Do what you feel is right. These are the people that you uh, line up against, you work with every day. They're essentially your brothers. I mean, give me a break with what the fans think. All right, let's uh, move on and get into some talk about team MVPs of 2020. Uh, this is, as I said, it's going to be up on there on the NFL.com, but I thought this would be a fun group conversation as well. There are picks uh, when you do this type of exercise that you don't want to get overly cute. And, oh. and, uh, and for instance, I'll use the Ravens as an example. I can, I could say Hollywood Brown is my pick for the <laughs> team MVP of the Ravens in 2020, but that's ridiculous. So you got to go with Lamar Jackson. Uh, but for some teams, you can you can make a case for a player that's a little off the radar. You could also call that a non-quarterback. So I, w- I was curious what you boys thought when you went through each of the teams and were trying to come up with who would be the most likely team MVP. Who are, who's a guy, uh, could be a quarterback, but also not a quarterback, who jumps out at you as someone that could end up garnering those uh, internal honors at the end of the season? Greg, I'll start with you. Oh, okay. Um, well, one that popped into my mind as like a, a left field pick, which I guess we're talking about, would be Leighton Vander Esch of the Cowboys. That if, to me, he's like a, he's such a key to their entire team and defense. When he was on the field and playing like he was, that you know, he made uh, Chris Wessling fall in love as a young man just a couple of years ago. Uh, they were a, they were such a different defense. They were a faster defense, and he was the type of player who could be a defensive player of the year type of guy, maybe a team MVP type of guy. Last year, he wasn't the same, and then he got a neck surgery, and everyone in Dallas is like, oh, they're, he's fine now. He got his neck surgery. Like, that is serious. He's a young player. Jalen Smith also played much worse a year ago than he did in 2018. And I think that was partly because he didn't have Van Der Esch next to him and playing, playing as well. And so that was a guy like in a, in a perfect world for the Cowboys, if Leighton Van Der Esch balls out and is a team MVP type of guy, you know, along with their great offense and like, then they can do the things that a lot of people are predicting they can do. I mean, I'd argue that he kind of was during that rookie year in a way. Right. I mean, he, the way he played down the stretch, so it's not inconceivable. And if he's healthy, um, you ticket him right back into that role, and I, I like that pick. Yeah, you look at the Cowboys. They made the decision to bring in C.D. Lamb with the first-round pick. They were thrilled, and they thought, and a lot of people think, that he fell into their laps as a potential star-wide receiver. So if you had a pick, if you had to kind of wager, uh, not that we would ever do that connected to professional football, where the team MVP would come out of, you would look at whether it was Zeke Elliott or Dak or – um, Amari Cooper, or if you really wanted to get bullish on the rookie, C.D. Lamb, one of those guys. But yeah, I think Van Der Esch is the guy that jumps out to you. That's a good sleeper, Greg. I like that. And if the Cowboys are, a, you know, a 11 and 5, 12 and 4 team instead of like the typical 9 and 7 outfit they trot out, it seems like a lot, uh, it will be because the defense is badass. And if the defense is badass, that means that Leighton Van Der Esch most likely is a badass. So Dan, for your article, well, I just had to ask, is that one that you had not already chosen someone? And has Greg maybe found an answer for you on that front for your article that's coming out? Greg's making me think. 
I mean, yeah, Dak is, it's tough because if they go 12 and four, as you were talking, I was like, I don't know where Dak is in terms of like the national, you know, MVP race, but certainly he'd be a guy that you would think it would have a chance if, if they rack up some numbers. The With Dak, when you look at Dak, he's, he's been almost doesn't get enough love for how consistent he's been, his ceiling and floor every year. If Dak does his, you know, he throws for 4,300 yards and 34 touchdowns or something, that's, yeah, that's kind of what we've come to expect from that guy at this point, right? Unless he has something like how he started last season and then carried it through for 16 weeks, then then you're, you're all bets are off. He might be the actual MVP. Yeah. Uh, Mark, how about you? Uh, I'll I'll stick with defense, and I don't know if you've come up with one for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, but I'll go with Josh Allen, uh, their second year pass rusher. I think that's a team where you don't automatically ticket. I like Gardner Minshew as much as anyone, but you don't just ticket the quarterback. For... No, you like him more than anyone. Okay, more than most. Um, but you could see them going four anyone. and twelve or five and eleven. Um, anyone, Dan, and I like. I would say that Josh Allen would have would have, would have a big part of what is happening on defense for them in general. He had last year, if you look at PFF, the highest um, edge rushing grade of any rookie outside of. Nick Bosa. So I, I think he, number one, I think watching him earlier in the year, he was, he's the guy. He's fascinating to watch. I think he's a legit um, menace. He could create tons of problems. They are not a great defense on paper, but they have added a bunch of people, and he's not the only edge rusher on that team. So I like the idea of him um, in terms of Jacksonville's most uh, valuable player being someone that could notch double-digit sacks, um, maybe help create more chaos than anyone else on their entire defense and be a pro bowler. Yeah, that I picked Josh Allen too for the exercise. So we're in lockstep mm. there. I, well, I feel I a lot better with, now. Yeah, I struggle with Jacksonville a little bit because I'm not, and listeners know the podcast, I differ with the opinions of Mark and Wes on Gardner Minshew. So that kind of, and I don't believe in Leonard Fournette like a lot of people and, uh, so I didn't see anything, anyone, anyone obvious on the offensive side of the ball. And then Allen would be the guy when he at the, the level that he flashed as a rookie that jumped out to me the most. Greg, is there a guy, another guy in the Jaguars that maybe you could throw out there that would make well, sense? For a minute last year, DJ Chark was like leading the league. You, you know, I know he, he yeah. slowed down quite a bit well, and true. ended up with about a thousand yards, but he, he has a com- pretty complete, skill set it, it came out of it didn't come out of nowhere i mean he was a relatively high pick but he he's a guy who could get even better in year three all right uh i'll throw one out there let's move to the afc north and uh, i'll go with joe mixon yeah uh, the the running back he is entering the fourth year it's the final year of his contract and i don't want to get bogged down in what if he holds out and all that business i rather not think about that stuff uh and just assume they either extend him because he was a second round pick, he's not under the traditional fifth round option uh, rookie deal. So this is it for Mixon. So he's in a contract year. And uh, Joe Burrow obviously is the guy that people are connecting to the Bengals as the guy that's going to rise them uh, out of irrelevance. But I look at Mixon as a fully formed guy that's at the peak of his talents, an all-purpose back. And he's played for two cellar-dwelling Bengals teams the last two years, including a 2-14 and outfit last year. And he put up over those two years almost 3,000 all-purpose yards and 17 touchdowns. His first mm-hmm. year was he kind of a wipeout. He came to camp out of shape, and, and you take out the rookie year. Uh, but the last two years, he's really been very, very good. And now you add, as we've talked about on the show, um, AJ Green back to a like a sneaky, very solid uh, playmaker core on offense. I think Mixon is in a great position to put up even better numbers. And yeah, the fact that it comes in his contract there, he probably won't be there. Won't be any concerns about him coming to camp out of shape if he reports on time because he wants to get paid. Yeah, I love that pick. I, he was one that popped up to me as like as a truly, I mean, this would be whatever a thousand to one or whatever it is as like a league MVP type of guy. Yeah. I, mm. Cause Joe, Joe Mixon, I mean, I mean the Bengals are, would have to win enough and there's a million things that won't happen that will get in his way. But I saw on, on Twitter today that I think it was Sam Munson from PFF and there, there's an article said, Nick Chubb is the best runner in the NFL. He thinks just the best pure runner. 
And Nick Chubb is on my list too of like guys who could be their team MVP. He probably was last year and he was. Know, he, he can be again. Um, and I thought about it and I said, and I thought, you know, I, just in terms of pure running, I don't think that's a crazy take, but I actually would take Mixon. I mix Joe Mixon, maybe just because he's got a little more flair to it, and that's and I'm and I'm falling for the style. But man, in terms of the power, making you miss, vision, everything, their line stinks. You watch him and he's he's it. I mean, he's got it all. He's he probably is my single favorite running back to watch just in terms of his playing style right now. Like he is that electric. Wow. I mean, I think Nick Chubb has done more from a tackle breaking angle. Right. He's been better. Nick Chubb has been a better player, but Mixon, it just got that flair and that, and maybe can be even better. Right. It doesn't take anything away from Mixon and Mixon to your point, Dan has thrived in um, hideous conditions. And I've already told you, that I believe um, Zach Taylor will be coach of the year fodder. So that that goes arm in arm with it. I think you got number one. If you want to, you got a quarterback <laughs> that may that. have no training camp. You better focus that offense around the ground game yeah. for the first seven eight weeks of the year, and that's going to be true of a bunch of teams. But they fit the bill for Mixon to have a huge workload out of the gate. Now this was was it on the Friday show where you you did Sessler did one of his, my favorite Sessler moves where what he, nailed a prediction. That and he he had a take that that turned 180 degrees out of the blue, <laughs> All right. with no explanation, and it was basically like Zach Zach Taylor suddenly went from like who is this guy? Has he done anything? He's he's totally nondescript to Zach Taylor's gonna be the man. And well, now, you know what? now he's just switched. But I don't you know, know what? what changed. It's just one show to the next. Well, he's well, you know what? Both, no, no, no. It wasn't one show. Um, I called him a question mark that we just didn't know what he was. But then I started to look look at it. Let's just try to look at it from a completely different angle. And what if some of our leaders were to be flexible in their thinking? Sure. And, yeah. You know, adopt new stances based on new information and new uh, intuition. I like that. That's a good answer. You're smart, It's called the Sessler flip. It's called the uh, Sessler flip. You know, I, I'm known for that a bit. Way, that's, but it's like I'll be wrong with the first prediction and I'll be wrong with the second, too. <laughs> You'd be you're, you'd be good in well you, in some ways you'd be um, good in politics because you are able to change your message slippery in a subtle but completely different way that kind of will cover you both ways. But then you'll have an eagle-eyed like political correspondent like a Greg Rosenthal that will then point out, oh, you tweeted this in March of mm. 2014, and now right. you're saying Wait. this in June right. 2020. I don't need that, and I don't need the background check. <laughs> All right. How about another one, Greg? All right. Let's go uh, defense. I know defense. Right, let's go uh, Derwin James. Derwin, Derwin James Love to that. me is um, the people that know football better and really watch the, you know, the, the tape at safety. Cause you can't really watch safeties on TV. It's, it's hard. I mean, but just watching the splash plays that he makes and the awe that he inspires in the people that I respect the most in terms of his, football abilities is next level. It's as much as almost any defensive player in the league right now. I feel like outside of maybe some pass rushers, like in terms of what he can do physically and mentally, and that he is the key to their team and that he came in last year off, uh, off the injury, wasn't quite himself for a few weeks, definitely helped out, but this is different. This, you know, he knows this system. He's been in it now for a few years and he could have a, a monster year. You know, I thought Joey Bosa was the other guy that jumped out to me. Yeah. Uh, it was between James and Bosa, and I think Bosa entering, what is this, his third or fourth year? Fourth year now, yeah. Uh, he's, you know, obviously now kind of proven that he is one of the great pass rushers in the league, but with the supporting talent around him, maybe he has one of those years that we've been expecting where... Fifth year, wow. The the years go by fast, by the way. Sorry. Really? That, yep. That completely exhausting holdout to begin his career feels like it was about a million years ago now. But uh, he he's always he's on that short list. Your boy, uh, Mark Miles Garrett's another one. Like who could finally uh, give the sack record its dignity back after what Michael Strahan <laughs> did uh, on that Meadowlands field with uh, Brett Favre disgracefully sliding at his feet, stealing Mark Gastineau's glory from him in a completely needless and non-professional way. It's time for someone to give the sack record its dignity back. And Joey Bosa, I think, is a guy that could potentially do it. Uh, when's the last time? Well, I remember the uh, the Colt safety years back. Bob Sanders. Uh, the, 
Yeah, he won the defensive player of the year, I believe. It's Um, hard. But we're talking team MVP. But to get team MVP uh, and be a defensive player, you have to be very special, I think. And uh, James certainly qualifies as that. Um, Greg, uh, Mark, you got one? Well, I I actually came up with nine, but I'm going to give you um, (laughs) one that came into my mind like at the end. Um, Because I could see that, you know, football is storytelling. Uh, things happen where a player has been disgraced and they go into the shadows and then um, they emerge to do something that someone did to them. And this player was, uh, I thought, embarrassed last year, lost their starting job and uh, it lost their roster spot in the offseason. And that is Marcus Mariota. Now, do I believe in Marcus Mariota as um, as an as a, a like a longtime starting QB? No. But you Put know this what? In your article. Well, hold on. You know who didn't? You know who didn't agree? Let you. Someone was who was a starting QB a couple years ago. Ryan Tannehill, stock low. No one thought a thing about him. Boring. Dolphins quarterback. Very visible ceiling. Goes to Tennessee. The chemistry is different. The scene is different. Ryan Tannehill suddenly has a massive extension and a playoff run that knocked out Tom Brady off the Patriots. So I'm just saying, weirder things have happened in the NFL than Marcus Mariota to go to Las Vegas. They have four primetime games, and many of them are earlier in the year. If they struggle and Derek Carr is struggling, they gave him $9 million, Marcus Mariota. I could see a switch. That's all you need is a switch and then the team to ride high, and suddenly the story coming out of it is, you know what, we know we came in in week six. He didn't play the whole year. He wasn't Josh Jacobs in terms of week-to-week consistency, but he provided a spark, Marcus Mariota, and him and Gruden just seemed to click together. Bang. I can see it. I mean, that sound you hear is is all the the, the entire car family now blocking Mark on Twitter. Well, um, but <laughs> that's but I can fine. see. It. Not, it's I not an anti car thing, but I do think that that's one area where I can well, see a starter switch happening if things don't get off to a quick start. But what are we? I mean, this podcast of Marcus Mariota it never ends. What are what have we seen in that guy's career that he's going to all of a sudden take over a team and then? But I would ask you that about and, and just because one other Tannehill guy that used ago. to be his teammate, Ryan Tannehill, did it. Well, like, what does that matter? They're do I think people. it's likely? But is it, but if you're going to write these articles, do you want to just put the likely person, or do you want to like wait a minute, what? And then like, <laughs> what's the reasoning behind this? I'm just saying that every year it, there's this someone. Is, this like is how this. the 2000 the 2011 Colts ended up on Mark's <laughs> well, list of no, his ten every, favorite but, teams of all time. But the don't fourteen Every year a football season has one or two characters that were totally yes. counted out. That like, well, your, everyone your logic like is, is not faulty. quarterbacks do backup quarterbacks, especially veterans. Veteran types like him, that does happen almost every year. There's one guy who catches a little fire and ends up being like a team MVP out of nowhere. That's fair. Right. I'm not saying he's Daryl LaMonica, like, you know, we had a similar conversation last week and I asked you, oh, yeah, it was when we did the Raiders uh, uh, wheel of teams. And I asked you how many games he would start. And you said he would start like a couple of games at the very end of the season because the Raiders fell out of contention. How are you going to win team MVP like well, that? Well, more information, more intuition. The old you know, I, I'm, I'm grinding nonstop, <laughs> and so what I felt then, and I've you know I've received more critical information from not only my sources, but um, you know the intuitions up in the sky, and my answer will change and evolve. Like I don't need to be one of these like talk radio guys that like sticks to something for two years and looks like a creaky dinosaur. How do you, you uh, got it right? This huh? is the way to do it. I've always, I've always given you that credit, Mark. You're, this is I'm you, throwing you, it out there. Like it's you a make fun predictions in bulk. You're you're a predictions in bulk guy, and sometimes the even the prediction will shift in tone or direction over the course of a couple of shows. No, I don't like where you're going uh, with but, this at all. No. But then at the end of like the season, you're saying, "What did I get right?" If you made a thousand predictions, you wait. Probably now got seven we right. all make predictions in bulk. I am not. Ex- it's not exclusively attached to me. But I make they mean a couple. More to you. I make what, what I make is specific um, predictions, and many of them seem utterly loony. Others hit like a dart right into the bullseye, the little hole in the middle of the dartboard, and then you have to <laughs> sit on that and deal with it. Thanks for your explanation <laughs> of a bullseye. Well, I, uh, I do appreciate you had nine names listed down, and you went for the one that you thought would, would be the spiciest for this podcast. Of That's course. just good podcasting. There you go. This guy gets it. He's been around the block. <laughs> I want. We haven't really hit the NFC too hard, so I – yeah, I haven't gotten this far yet, and this is subject to change when you see the written copy. But I'll I'll go with Calvin Ridley over uh, on the Atlanta, on the Atlanta Falcons side of things. 
They have an interesting depth chart set up there. You have Matt Ryan, who we love uh, or like. Todd Gurley, who we, I don't know, maybe like. Uh, mm. Julio Jones is still Julio Jones, even though he's getting up there a little bit. Who else is there, Greg, uh, beyond uh, Jones and Ridley that's going to be taking targets away uh, from those two top dogs? I know Austin no Cooper's one. gone there, too. No, so you know, it's I, Justin I, I imagine if Julio Jones is Julio Jones and his, his lower half stays healthy and all that, he's going to command the top uh, defensive coverage guy. And then if there's not a lot of other big-name targets for Matt Ryan to be cycling through, Calvin Ridley has a chance to really eat this season and maybe even put up you know, an all-pro type season. I think he's always had it in him. I think he's entering year three, so it's time to fly now. And uh, I'll throw Ridley out there, even though Ryan and Jones and even Todd Gurley maybe stand out as if you went to Vegas, who would be higher up? Uh, if you're talking about a little bit of a dark horse, how about Ridley having a all-pro type, let's say 75, 1400, 10 season? I love it. I um, I did a series last week with so many, so many little series, or a two-parter, which was just like kind of looking so at like prolific. a key, key homegrown player. No, I'm just saying between us all, you know, we're just right. throwing these things into the ether. Yeah, like a key homegrown guy on a rookie contract for each team. Kind of like making the leap candidates, but just like key guys, which would really help their season if this guy stepped up. And Ridley was that guy. And the numbers he had in that time between Sanu getting traded and then Ridley getting hurt uh, were like, you know, number one receiver type numbers. They really were. Like he had a monster. I think it was five or six weeks there. Uh, and he's awesome after the catch. Like the two of them could be co-number ones, and you could see them kind of being behind in some games and, and putting up big numbers. I think they have big plans for Hayden Hurst, but that's sort of a TBD. I mean, that's, you don't just – we right. just don't book that for automatic production. Right. Here, I'm going to throw out – I just wanted to hit up Mark. What about Matt Schaub? If mm. we got Mariota in the mix here. Well, I don't think Mariota and Matt Schaub are equivalents. That is insulting. That <laughs> you never know. That. This I'm might just, be the year that Kirk Ben Kirk knocks Schaub out of that job. Gets that I mean, Schaub clearly has like a stack of Polaroid photos that indict um, various <laughs> members of the Falcons organization for activities we don't want to discuss. I don't know what, how else is he still there? <laughs> Fair enough. What was that, Greg? I, I was just going to throw out one, one name here for a team MVP that I actually think would be a Dark Horse League MVP, which I probably was my pick for Dark Horse League MVP last year, Alvin Kamara. People forget about, you know, people sleeping on Alvin Kamara playing at 75% uh, a year ago. And he's he's done it. He's done it at the NFL level. I've seen it, and he can do it again. And he's got a great offensive line and a great team around him to just go crazy. There's your Sorry, super MVP rem- pick. Remind me who was the best player on the field in the Saints playoff <laughs> loss. You know what? Kirk you Cousins. Be unplugged. Maybe. Taysom Hill is the only choice for any accolades in New Orleans. Well, Well, Taysom Hill could wind up starting games. You never know. Well, he had about 270 less touches than Alvin Kamara last year, even with Kamara hurt. So I'm going with the guy who's going to get the ball. Kamara, he has replaced Matt Ryan on my uh, anti-all-star team of fantasy guys that let me down, and I'll never forgive them because I essentially (laughs) flipped a coin between Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey last year with the number three pick. End of the season, I was so upset. That was um, very upset. Yeah, I would have been wrong about that too. I said said some um, dismissive comments comparing McCaffrey and Kamara like after about one year of their career, which I regret, and I I was wrong. This McCaffrey guy... He's pretty good, but that doesn't mean Camara doesn't mean Camara can't have a comeback uh, awesome year. No, I'm with you. I think he definitely makes sense, right? Because that are we? So you're just pointing to the ankle and knee issues. Is that the only reason why he was the way he was last year? I don't know, but he wasn't the same. He didn't have that same pop, and he talked about it. And maybe maybe that's going to be an issue for him again. I don't know, but. We, we've seen it from – and in that offense with Breeze getting a little – you know, I just think he has the potential to put up like 2,500 yards. All right. Anything else? Mark, you have one more you want to throw out or are you all set? I would give you two quick names with no explanation. Eagles, okay. Miles Sanders, Redskins, Terry McLaurin. Mm. Why not? I mean, Terry, Terry McLaurin could have been their MVP last run offense. I think sure. it was. But Probably I think was. he's a legit – like a legit um, – 
a wide receiver that we'll think very highly of for years to come. Like those. All right. Uh, check it out on NFL.com later this week. Uh, those AFC first, then NFC from the old Zeuser. Uh, before we go, it is time, Ricky Hollywood. Where are you at, Erica? Rejoin us, if you might. She started there napping. She there she is. Hey, hey. Hi, Ricky. How are you guys? Wow. This is your NPR <laughs> voice. I like it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Nina Totenberg. <laughs> Terry, Terry, uh, are you ready up here? I think this is our um, our fifth time spinning the wheel this summer. And uh, last week we had a nice deep dive there with Vic Tafer. By the way, big apologies to Vic Tafer of to the Tapster. Athletic, who is a man you don't want to get on the wrong side of. And yet we went through the entire segment calling him Vic Tafer, which based on the spelling of his name, T-A-F-U-R, we wrongly inferred, nailed it, that the pronunciation of the name was Tafer, but it is, in fact, as was corrected by Vic himself in a private message after the show, Tafer. <laughs> Get it right or pay the price. Tafer. Ricky, spin the wheel. <laughs> Tafer. Oh, it's spinning. It's spinning. It's spinning. Come on. I want the Jets. Oh, the Ravens. Oh, wow. Oh, Greg. Greg has got to stay seated for a while after that one landed. The defending wow. AFC North champion Baltimore Ravens are the latest Wheel of Teams uh, selection, which means on Wednesday's show, we will do a deep dive on the reigning MVP and the rest of his merry gang of Crusaders. Mm. Mm. Immediately start thinking of who who we're gonna have on. It's actually they deserve it. They're like probably the most, you know, the best regular season team, the most interesting team. I don't know if they've had that level of coverage on our show uh, this off season. So they, we we're do some extra Ravens talk. All right, so we'll huddle up after the <laughs> end of today's show. Didn't we have a Ravens show? nest that we flew to consistently? Yeah, I feel like they've, like they've, they've been covered I mean, to some degree, off, but I, I'm happy season. with the choice. I, I can't remember. We haven't talked that much Ravens, considering they're probably, you know. That does remind me. We, we enacted the Ravens nest, and then immediately they became a historically dominant uh, team, at least until the playoffs began. So whoever we nominate, whatever team we nominate to get deep, deeply entrenched with for the entire year and come up with the, the name, that might mean very good things for that team. I so mean, the organic oh, fish tank is going to be flying this year. Well, they they, oh, they overachieved last year quite a bit. You know, winning five games, people thought they might not win any. That's right. the The Ravens' nest was two years ago, but that team was also a quality team that made the playoffs. So, well, it's all about us and what we decide to promote, and it has um you know psychic reverb around the league. Obviously, this is legit. Yeah. This is factual. I've always thought the same thing, Mark. All right. <laughs> Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with another show. So make sure, uh, once again, from three different time zones. Ricky, can you get uh, the Guinness Book of World Records on the horn after this and find out if that's ever happened? Definitely. On a professional football sports podcast. Yeah, I got them on speed dial. So okay, It's definitely yeah. a category they had in place You know, back when I would read those. Guinness books back in the eighties podcast, they still pump, football they still podcast, little paper, you know, like the fat paperbacks. They still yeah. pump those out. Okay. I don't know who's on the horn there. If you call is someone answering immediately, it doesn't feel like a, a hotline per se, but well, our producer, Erica would never lie to me to get out of doing work. So when she says they're on her speed dial, I just assume yes. she's telling me the truth. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yes. All right. Good. Good. I'm going to check in. How about this? I'm going to make a note of it and check back with you. On Wednesday show. <laughs> okay. Put your feet to the fire on this one. Okay. The time yeah. of me asking you to do things and then you just hoping I forget and then me forgetting and you winning is over. Okay. We'll see. That was like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that was that time. Everything is over from the past. <laughs> Starting now. All right. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm. The old boss, Ricky Hollywood. From the East Coast, from the Central Time Zone, from the West Coast. Got you covered. Till Wednesday. 
This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Monogram at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.